0: Hey, this is Dan Wunderlich from Defining Grace, and welcome to Art of the Sermon, a show for preachers, teachers, and communicators. My guest today is Justin Trapp. He's the founder of Ministry Pass and the co-creator of a brand new sermon writing tool called Sermonary. Justin joins us today to talk about writing and repurposing your sermons. Well, my guest today is Justin Trapp. He's the founder of Ministry Pass and the co-creator of a brand new sermon writing tool called Sermonary. Justin, thanks so much for being with us today.
1: Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, you bet. Well, why don't we begin by having you tell us a little bit about yourself as well as your work and its context?
1: Sure. So a little bit about me. I grew up in, in the church world. I was sort of a church brat. Uh, my family went to church three times a week. I was there you know, as soon as the doors opened. And at 11 years old, I felt like God called me into full-time ministry. And so from that point on, I Worked towards interning at my church and for my youth pastor, and eventually went into full-time vocational ministry at age 19, and loved serving the church, loved serving the Lord. And then about in my mid-20s, I just really felt like I was an oddball in your stereotypical, or at least the, the lanes that my denomination had for me. And so I set out to volunteer at my church but help serve the church through business. And so we launched a company called Ministry Pass here several years ago, and it's basically we create sermon series and media resources to help churches under 300 save time, yet be more effective.
0: That's awesome. You also have a brand new podcast yourself, is that correct? Yeah,
1: so one of my uh, passion projects, if you will, has been Entrepreneurs on Mission, and I just interview uh, Christian entrepreneurs who are helping the kingdom Uh, through business. And so it's been a a fun project for me lately.
0: That's so great. Well, and uh, you are someone who has communicated both inside the church and outside the church, but still sort of related to the church. Uh, And so I'm really interested to hear your perspective on this next question. It's one that we ask all of our guests. What are your philosophies or approaches to preaching and communication in general? And maybe if you had a mission statement or guiding principle, what might it be?
1: You know, I don't know if I have a personal mission statement on preaching, but I'll tell you this, preaching stresses me out. And, <laughs> and, the, and the reason why preaching stresses me out is because I consider it a great responsibility to communicate to a diverse audience, uh, um, a single mother who's struggling to the Sunday school couple who's been at the church for 40 years, to communicate the gospel through a 35 minute message in a way that reaches and connects or at least plants a seed effectively for 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 both of those parties and everybody in between. And to me, I think that's a real challenge, especially if you're preaching 40 plus times a year and you're not gifted at communicating like I am. I, you know, I, I enjoy the process. I enjoy the journey every week when I was preaching every week, but it was something that I considered a great burden as well.
0: Yeah. So I I would imagine that you are like the vast majority of preachers and that you love the act of preaching, but the sermon writing process can be a little bit of a drag. I know that there is a minority of pastors out there who, for whom it's it's flipped. They love the time in the office with the books and maybe dread the the uh, the public part of it. but are, are you the are you the uh, the pulpit guy?
1: You know, I enjoy it when I'm up there, and, and as I get going, it's, it's, it's the procrastination part in the, in the middle of the week that really eats me up.
0: Yeah. Um, well, in both your work with Ministry Pass and now with Sermonary, you're focused specifically on helping preachers. What is it about us preachers and the responsibility of preaching that made you want to step aside from day-to-day ministry and really create resources uh, for us preachers?
1: Well, you know, pastors on average spend nine and a half hours every week preparing a sermon. You know, that's more time than an an adult in the same time period spends eating their meals. So pastors are spending more time preparing their sermon than they are eating meals in a given week. And it's a big endeavor. It's like you're writing a thesis paper every week yeah. for most pastors. And, you know, it's important, no doubt. It's very important. But, you know, I'll be honest, Dan, I can't remember more than... Five to six sermons of from my pastor through the years. I can remember one specifically, there was one line that really hit home with me, but beyond that, I don't remember a lot of them. What I do remember is is spending time with him, him mentoring me, you know, events together, working, you know, side by side together in ministry. And so, while I think that preaching is very important, obviously, communicating the gospel week in and week out is is a huge endeavor. I also think You know, pastors are so responsible for so many other things other than preaching. And so I wanted to be able to create resources that help them be more efficient, not take shortcuts, but be more efficient with their sermon preparation and and sermon writing times so that they could have margin or they could have more time to focus on the most important areas of their ministry in that season.
0: Yeah, that's so true. I, I think there's so many preachers out there that spend the majority of their their time during the week writing a sermon, either because they feel the pressure of it needing to be great or because maybe they like that time alone and preparing sermons and praying, or they see it as their primary responsibility. But we're so much more than just preachers, unless you happen to be like the teaching pastor. But even the teaching pastor still needs to be connected to the community and out and getting to know people. So I really appreciate it. And as we're talking about the sermon prep process, you shared with us the amount of time that preachers spend. Can you paint us a picture of what sermon prep looks like on the macro level? So we've got the time, but what tools are people using? Uh, What does their process look like? Uh, What are some areas that that you feel preachers can gain some time and gain some efficiency in by using the tools that y'all provide?
1: So this is going to be a self-indulged answer, but it came from our observations on a large scale. So we did, I have a big email list, and so I like doing surveys, just getting data from from pastors and church leaders where they're at on, on a big scale. So when we do a survey, we'll have 1,700 pastors respond to a survey in one day. And through those surveys, we observed that while there has been tremendous technological advances in Bible research, Lagos, the uh, folks at you know Bob Pritchard and his team at Faith Life have done tremendous work with Logos, and there's a bunch of other companies out there. There's been technological advances in Bible reading with Uversion and all these apps, but the actual process of writing a sermon. Has remained largely in touch for the better part of twenty years. Yeah. In fact, eighty eighty four percent of pastors use Microsoft Word, and while that gets the job done, we felt like there was an opportunity to better this for everybody. And so we set out to do that, do that and we just uh, created something called Sermonary. So my answer is a little bit uh, self indulged there, but yeah, it you know as we looked across the the landscape of writing a sermon, sermon preparation, we felt like there was something that could be done to help everybody.
0: Well, and even in Microsoft Word, it's not like Clippy pops up and says, it looks like you're writing a sermon. Here's some resources to help you write a sermon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for me, I don't know, you know, for the rest of the audience listening, for me, that blank page was always a big hurdle. Once I got going, I was, you know, four hours in, it, it was a lot easier. I had momentum on my side. But to me, that was what always made me sort of procrastinate is that big, white, blank page. I know I'm supposed to teach about grace this week. Where do I start? Do I start at the end? Do I start at my intro? And so to me, what we've created really helps at least that pain point or, you know, it's one of the pain points it addresses.
0: Sure. And why don't you tell us a little bit about Sermonary? Uh, Give us a walkthrough of the potential that it has to make our sermon writing process better.
1: Sure. So, S- Sermonary is a web-based platform that we developed where pastors can build, present, and store their sermons in an in a, uh, online fashion. It's a web app, so it's connected to you know the cloud, per, you know, per se. And pastors can assemble. They can build your message. And then we have something called a podium mode, which adds a clock overlay at the top. And you're able to use your smart tablet. So about 50% of pastors use smart tablets to reference their notes during preaching. And so that podium mode can be utilized there. And, of course, you know you can save all your sermons on Sermonary. So you can access old sermons via search, like a tag. So if you want to do a search on Grace, it'll pull up all of your sermons or ideas or illustrations you've had using the title or the keyword grace. You can also do searches for scripture references. So, we, we wanted to create something that was de- a dedicated platform for the specific sole purpose of writing a sermon. So, everything that Sermonary is about helps pastors make that process more efficient and more effective.
0: And one of the features that I like about it, you gave me a walkthrough before we began recording. One of the features that I like about it is the drag and drop nature of the blocks within your sermon. Because we've all had those moments where we've spent all this time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, writing our sermon. Maybe we let it lie fallow on Thursday. We come back to it Friday or even Saturday and suddenly a new structure comes to us or or it makes more sense to flip a couple points and in Microsoft Word you've got to find where the right paragraph starts and where it ends and you've got to copy it and you've got to paste it and you've got to make sure that it actually copies and pastes correctly and you don't delete the wrong things. Where in Sermonary you can grab the block and just just drag it to another position. Are, are there any little features like that that you've built into Sermonary? Because this was like a problem that you specifically Justin had and really uh, was were looking for a solution.
1: Sure. Yeah. So to speak to the blocks idea, when you go to add content essentially to your sermon, it'll ask you. The program will ask you what type of content do you want to add? Do you want to add a scripture, a quote, an illustration? You know, there 's a custom block, and so we, we you 're able to basically build your sermon piece by piece, block by block throughout the week, like uh, Dan said, you can rearrange it quickly. it gives you a lot of agility from a technical perspective, and my, something like Microsoft Word, Evernote, or even Google Docs does not allow you that uh, luxury if you will and so I, yeah one of the blocks idea came out of my own frustrations with the whole process. And, uh, you know, it's probably the most popular feature of the entire platform. In fact, we, we have two editors. For those of you that are thinking, man, that's, that sounds like I've got to change my 25-year-old habit. <laughs> we have a classic editor that's more like a Microsoft Word. And we wondered, you know, would people use this? Would people actually use the blocks? Because we're asking them to, you know, that habit is a pretty deep habit. And 90% of our beta users users said, we love the block. In fact, I had one pastor tell me, because we did a beta season, and then we sort of took everyone's credit, login credentials away so he could make the updates based on their feedback, and had one pastor tell me he was very angry. <laughs> he said, but he said because after I got used to creating sermons, using sermonary for four weeks, when you took it away, I was really mad that I had to go back to the old way. And that, when he said that, I realized, you know, we're, we might be on to something here.
0: Yeah, that's so great. I I was able to go take a communications workshop with Rob Bell. I've also heard a lot uh, from John Acuff about how he writes books, and uh, they use physical. Physical note cards, but this block idea is very similar. It allows you to capture singular ideas or singular stories and then move them around. Uh, you also have an ability in there uh, it's an ideas section where you can sort of uh, grab ideas or illustrations as they come and then you can add them to messages later when they seem to fit in. Is, is that correct?
1: Yeah, you actually hit the nail on the head. The index card or the note card ideas where you sort of write every uh, thing down in this sort of assemble it analog, old school way. Sermonary is basically a digital version of what you're talking about. So um, I, I've been using that way for my book, and so it has been really helpful.
0: That's great. And we'll keep talking about preaching here in a second, but to sort of put a bow on Sermonary. For the listeners out there that want to check it out, I know you've got a Kickstarter going on right now. Why don't you let our, our folks know right now here uh, how they can learn more about Sermonary, how they can sign up and be a part of this new tool? Sure.
1: So we launched our Kickstarter last week and I'm not sure when this is airing, but we launched it and within 2 hours we met our funding goal. And since then we're I believe we're at 400% of our goal. And so I would say if if you're interested in kick uh, seminary, don't go to the Kickstarter because we're actually run out of our reward slots. Okay. I would go to co. and there's a video on there that explains the whole program, and then you can join the waiting list, and we're going to be launching here in mid-September. So uh, if you get on the waiting list, you'll be one of the first people to know when we're launching, so I would do that.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, and, and I assume that because you got 400% of funding, you're going to be able to hire Andy Stanley to call all of us individually for a coaching session, correct?
1: <laughs> you know what we actually do have andy we're able to license andy's mewe god You, we preaching format so it's an official we have templates in seminary, so you can use the three point traditional method verse by verse but we do have andy's Uh, format in there as well as an official template.
0: That's so great. Well, as we were having a discussion on Twitter about sermon writing that was inspired by the release of Sermonary, uh, one of the friends of the show, a fellow podcaster, Chad Brooks from the Productive Pastor Podcast posed this question, is sermon writing more mechanical or artistic? And of course, we all know that the answer is both, but I'd love to hear from you, Justin, as someone that uh, has spent many years of his life preaching weekly and now someone who dedicates his full-time ministry to helping preachers, how do you understand the balance between the mechanical side and the artistic side of preaching?
1: I definitely agree there's a balance. I would say that I lean more towards the artistic side because I tend to be more of a storyteller. I would say, you know, I don't know what percentage of your listeners would be a book-by-book or verse-by-verse type of guy or gal who preaches every week. I tend to be a guy that preaches more topical series. I know, you know, Jesus did a lot of topical parables, if you will, yeah. and so I, I I follow the storytelling method a lot, so I use a lot of stories in my messages, and I think anytime you're using lots of stories and you're putting that together, it tends to be a little bit more artistic. You know, I was I a was singer growing up in high school and did a lot of performing recorded EP album, and so I probably approach sermons or preaching from an uh, an artistic slant, if you will.
0: Yeah. Another passion of yours is repurposing or extending the sermon beyond simply the worship service. And you did a whole hour-long session on this with the Pro Church Tools podcast, and I'll put a link in the show notes so folks can check out that full in-depth, really awesome conversation. Uh, But uh, right now, why don't you just give us a quick rundown or a summary of the ways that you recommend pastors uh, repurpose their sermons and extend them beyond just the Sunday morning experience?
1: Sure. So, let me let me tell you why I created th- this list. and the the main and biggest reason is is that pastors, you know, if if you're preaching every week and you're spending nine and a half hours or you're writing a, essentially a thesis paper on a, a particular topic or passage, you know, that's a lot of time. That's a big investment of your time, and a lot of times, you know, all that work is put into. Getting to the pulpit, and that's sort of like the end of it, if you yeah. will. But I think there's a huge opportunity to take all of that content that you've spent so much time and and worked really hard on. And I think there's a way to, to actually extend the sermon beyond the physical pulpit into the digital pulpit. So real quick, there's seven ways to repurpose your sermons. I think one is to blog your points one at a time. I use an app called Rev.com. It's, you can download it in the iOS store. And it will... A real human will transcribe your voice, so you can record directly into the phone, or you can upload your sermon audio, and a real human will transcribe that verbatim. And then what you can do, I I think, you know, if you're preaching a three point message, it's 35 minutes. That's a really, really, really long blog post. I would advise against that. But you could, (laughs) what you could do though, is you could blog you could get three blogs out of a three-point message for that week. And so your your people see it. You're blogging each point. Each point has a, a passage, an illustration, a metaphor, if you will, and sort of an, a big idea for that point. I think that's one way you can do that. That might cost you 30 35 bucks 35 per sermon if you have a three-point message and it's about 35 minutes. Another thing you could do is you could have someone take those notes from Rev.com or if you have someone just taking notes in your – congregation, and for them to highlight or write down your your big points, your big quotes, your one-liners, and verses. And then you can use something like an unsplash.com, which gives you free stock photography, and maybe like a Canva, which is free for churches. And you can basically create visual, digital little sermon nuggets, if you will, and have people from your church post those. Another thing you can do is you can use video. So there's actually a mega, only in Texas, right? It's a mega yeah. church, cowboy church it's called Lone Star Church. And that pastor, is a great storyteller. And what they'll do a lot of times is they will pull a two or three minute segment of his sermon where he's uh, you know, talking out a parable, or he's t- sharing a personal story and a point from the sermon. And they will just post that that two- to three-minute video, and I'm telling you, it gets a crazy amount of shares and engagement and comments from people, not just at their church, but all over. Um, The fourth thing you could do is you could create a podcast. I think, again, here we are on the podcast. Audio is coming back, y'all. I'm telling y'all right now, audio is coming back with Alexa and all the different Google Um, How to forgot what Google's is called, but everyone's creating like a little audio bot, if you will, a home device with Apple's home device. I'm telling you, audio is going to be a big thing, so podcasts could be the way to go for you.
0: Yeah, and as as cars get uh, internet enabled, we're we're not going to be just listening to radio anymore, and you won't have to finick with like downloading on your phone. You'll just literally ask your car to play something, and it'll do it for you. Absolutely.
1: Uh, Another thing you could do, you know, when you're preaching a message, a lot of times you're preaching, you're communicating truths and you're giving answers to problems. What you can do is you can have somebody in the audience or someone on your staff take all of your points and rephrase them into questions. So Let's say you had a uh, you know your first point on Sunday answers it's a it's a big truth. We'll we'll reverse that and what is that truth answering? What is the question? Convert those into questions and then use those for small groups. I think it's one way. Uh, perhaps my favorite way or favorite thing on this list, and I'll try not to get into the weeds too too much here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you can create a devotional series from your sermons, and mm. here's what I mean by that. So. In the business world, and Dan, you've probably seen this, everyone's seen this, you, you're you on Facebook and you're scrolling in on your newsfeed, someone has a sponsor post and it's like, hey, do you want a free report on how to save money uh, or how, how to increase giving? Let's just do that. And it's a free report or a free download from XYZ Company, and what you have to do is you have to give your email address. So we, this is sort of a common thing in business, but churches don't actually do this at all. In fact, I spent an hour and a half Googling one time, and zero out of forty four churches had this. (laughs) and And here's why this is important: Uh, because when someone gives you their email address, you're able to communicate with them, whether it's automated or manual. You're able to communicate with them. That you know, if Mm. they say, you know what, I'd like. I'd like a, a a report or a resource on increasing giving at our church. You know they're probably a pastor, they're on staff somewhere, and their church, they like to increase giving. So you can send them relevant content to to build trust. I think there's a huge missed opportunity for churches because if someone comes to your site and let's say for example you have a free resource five bible stories to share with your kids. Mm. Well if they say I'll give you my email address. I'd like that. Not only do you know that they're a parent, but they want to teach their children about the Lord. Now you can send them emails and follow-up communications that builds trust, maybe highlight your children's leaders, your children's facilities, and they feel like they trust you and know you before they've ever stepped foot on your church. So I think this is a big missed opportunity. So you could do this with, you know, let's say you do uh, a devotional uh, a sermon a series on grace. You could do a devotion series on grace or on prayer. And if they, they put their name in and it was about a devotional series on prayer, you know that they want to get closer in their walk with the Lord. They, they care about that. And so you can send them relevant info. And then number seven, you know, I could I could go on for a long oh, time yeah, on yeah. number six, by the way. But number seven is write a book. You know, trust is built. So if you do a a sermon series, uh, you know, you can take that sermon series and you can create a book out of it. There's a few companies out there, and the reason why this could be something that would be very valuable is if if you're a pastor and someone comes in for the first time, and I know we all have our own little like meet the pastor or lunch with the pastor or you know XYZ church DNA or whatever those meetings looks like yeah. if you can give them a book and they take it home and they read about the church's story they read about the pastor's story and there is also about a topic that they might care about man there there is a trust that comes with that there is an authority factor that comes that, that it accelerates the trust process let me say that because you know if they're attending your church For 40 weeks in a row, that's really, they've only spent 40 plus hours with you. But if they read a book, they could probably spend at least 20 reading a book. You could accelerate that time in a week, basically. And so I think those are some of the ways that you can extend the sermon beyond the pulpit.
0: That's so great. And and again, we'll link to the longer conversation where you did get a chance to expand on all these points. But I did want to touch on that one, number six, the, the lead magnet method. That is, uh, I use it on my website, 10 Action Steps for Better Church Announcements, and everyone hates church announcements, and so that tends to inspire a lot of downloads and things. Uh, but even on MailChimp, the free level of MailChimp, this calendar year, they just added automation to the free level. Uh, and so instead of just delivering one PDF with, you know, all 10 devotions or whatever, you can set up an automation chain so that whenever someone signs up, they then get 10 weeks of devotions in a row. And you know if someone's still opening it week six, week seven, or whatever, or even just a four-week study, if someone is opening your devotion email week after week after week, you know that person may be open to an invitation to church.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think one of the common uh, thoughts we had, or at least I had growing up, is the biggest uh, you know, hurdle for the church is the revolving back door. But I actually think that the biggest issue is getting people to show up first. If they show up first, you have a lot better chance of getting them to continue to come back. And I think the, one of the ways that you can get them to show up first is by building trust through one of these seven things I just listed.
0: That's so great. Well, we have a set of questions that we ask all of our guests. And the first one is, do you have a favorite or most challenging preaching experience?
1: Oh, man. Um, I don't know where my story lies with everybody else, but I'll tell you my first ministry job when I was interviewing to be a junior high Pastor at a church in san antonio. They were interviewing me and they wanted me to come in and preach and i'll just say this I had a few um um, verbiage mishaps, if you will, <laughs> <laughs> why the pastor and the board and, and 150 teenagers are listening. So I, I, it was really hard to recover, but thankfully they still hired me.
0: Hey, that's great. Well, Lisa didn't end up on uh, YouTube like that That poor youth pastor Blake or something that had that one uh, slip oh, up a couple man. years ago. <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah, I had something similar. Thank the Lord. <laughs> well, do you, do you prefer preaching uh, Christmas Eve or Easter?
1: I prefer Christmas. I I love everything about Christmas. I love Christmas even more now that I'm not on full time on staff somewhere.
0: Yeah, Yeah,
1: absolutely. (laughs) But I love Christmas. Yeah.
0: Well, who have been some of the most impactful preachers or non preacher communicators in your life, and why?
1: I love Andy Stanley. You know, I grew up in a charismatic slash dogmatic environment. Uh, You could even call it very legalistic. And when I heard Andy Stanley, he was just so practical and down to earth, and he wasn't. You know, he didn't have a Preacher voice, if you will, like I was so used yeah. to hearing all my life, and for me it was it came right in my college years, and it was just sort of a, a brush of fret there when I had a few professors that were really, really almost making me call you know question everything, not question God and my faith, but just question how I understood my faith. And Andy was a, just really refreshing in that time, and so he's been a real impactful communicator in my life.
0: That's great. And uh, in addition to Ministry Pass and seminary, what other books, podcasts, or resources would you recommend our audience check out?
1: You know, that's a great question. So one of the books that I really like is called The Articulate Executive. It's a it's an older book. That's a great book on public communication, and if you're going to be leading a group of people. I also like The Story Brand Podcast with yeah. Donald Miller. That's a great podcast. I'm sure your listeners have heard that. And then one of my personal favorites, this has nothing to do with ministry, but I love a, a, a podcast called How I Built This, and oh, it's yeah. basically a, a storytelling podcast for entrepreneurs.
0: That's so great. Uh, well, if folks out there want to get in touch and say hi, or if they have questions, what's the best way that they can do that?
1: Yeah, just connect with me on Twitter, at Justin Trapp, that's two Ps, and I would love to to connect and chat. Let me know that you listen to the podcast and uh, I'll follow you back.
0: Awesome. Well, Justin, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Art of the Sermon. You can find show notes, including links to some of the things that we talked about at artofthesermon.com. As always, I would love to hear what you think about the show, and I want your input to be a part of the conversation. So you can connect with me through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all at username sermon. If you'd like to support the show, I would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play Music, or your favorite podcast app so that new episodes are downloaded as soon as they're live. And of course, in addition to sharing the show with your friends, the best way to help us out is to leave a review in the iTunes store. This lets iTunes know that you care about the show and want other people to find it. Thank you again so much for joining me, and I'll catch you next time on Art of the Sermon.